Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. I am excited for the word. I want to dive into it this morning. And my title is very, very intentional. Um, It's called The Forgotten Weapon. Uh, A forgotten weapon is a problem. Because if you don't know that you have a weapon, you might not remember where you put it. If you don't remember that you have one, you might not realize how to use it or you might use it when you don't mean to. And then this weapon that is supposed to be a tool for you may be a tool against you. And so it becomes very, very important that we know what weapons we have and how to use them. See, I grew up in a hunting family, and so uh, guns were familiar to me from a young age. But there was rules. See, when you have a weapon, the more powerful the weapon, the more important the rules. The more important you know how to use it and how not to use it. And so growing up, there were some just real basics because if you know these rules and apply them, you will not have a gun accident. If you don't apply the rules, you can have a gun gun accident. See, because a gun is just a tool. It's a long distance hole punch. And if you can abide by the rules, you'll be fine. Rule number one, a gun is always loaded. If you unloaded it, it's still loaded. If you just, if you can play by that rule, it will protect you from so many accidents that happen with them. Rule number two, always use the safety. Rule number three, never trust the safety. And rule number four, don't point the gun at anything that you don't want a hole in. Um, and, And if there's nothing around you that you want a hole in, pick. If you had to put a hole in something, which thing would it be? And point the gun that way. And so if you can follow those simple rules, you and those around you will be safe while you handle a gun. But when you find problems is when somebody neglects one or all of those rules. One of my dad's really good friends, uh, I, I can call him a friend, but he's closer with dad. Many years ago, he, he neglected some of these rules. He took his, his 22 inside, and I think he was getting ready to clean it, but before he did, he was watching a movie, and there was a, a, a fight on the movie, and he decided to participate. And so like, he, he's you know, getting the gun ready to clean, and he, he, he picks it up, and he points, and he, he, and he points to somebody you know, in, the, in the fight there on the TV, and, and obviously his gun was inside, it was unloaded, and he shot the TV. But he forgot that a gun is always loaded and that you always use the safety, that you never trust the safety and don't point it at something you don't want to hold in. And he shot and bam, there goes the TV. It exploded um, because he shot it with a 22. And it was a very important lesson that yes, he got the bad guy and the TV, but that if, if you don't treat the weapon with respect, you end up with problems. If you don't follow the rules, you end up in danger. The more powerful the tool, the more important it is that you follow the rules. Like I've got a lot of tools, uh, I guess a lot less than some of you and a lot more than some of the others, but 
in amongst the bunch, there are tools that are not very powerful, and there are tools that are powerful. The more powerful, the more careful I am, and the less I let my kids use them. Um, a screwdriver is low on the um, power list. Now, if you give my four-year-old a screwdriver, there is damage that can occur. Um, like, screwdrivers are for screwing in screws, not for stabbing the wall or your cell. You know, there, there's rules, but they're simple. My miter saw, there's a lot more rules. And I have to make sure to unplug that if I'm going to go try out the piece of board that I cut on a project somewhere, lest a little one come out and remove a limb. Because it's powerful. The more powerful it is, the more careful we have to be. But sometimes we struggle because we don't realize that a tool can be used to build or destroy. It's a hammer. Is it a building or destructive tool? It's both. You can build great things with a hammer. You can rip apart things with a hammer. I have done a lot of both. In fact, a hammer actually comes prepared for you to do both. It has a side for nailing in the nail and it has a side for pulling out the nail because they realize you're going to do both. And there's times where I have used the, the blunt end of the hammer to rip things apart, to break things apart, or to put things together. And this one tool has both functions in it. And this is an important thing to recognize because like, like the hammer, you have a weapon, you have a tool that is both constructive and destructive. And you have to be careful and you have to follow some basic rules. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, Life, no, sorry, wrong one. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. This is a sword. If I swing this really hard at something, you know what happens? It cuts it. If I'm intentional and I aim at something, you know what happens? It cuts it. If I am carelessly frolicking around with a sword, swinging it hard, and I hit something, you know what happens? It cuts it. The sword does not stop and check. <clears throat> Did you mean to do that? Was that intentional? It, it just cuts it, right? Well, a lot of times we forget that with our words, and we go, well, but it shouldn't count. I didn't mean it. I know I said that, but, but I was just angry. I was just frustrated. How come it counts? I said sorry. If I walk up to somebody and stab them with this and then go, oops, I'm sorry. Do they not need stitches anymore? But like we, we recognize it with a sword, but it goes through and says that our words are like this. That it's a powerful weapon that we can use to bring life or death. Reckless words pierced like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. But here's the thing. It is very easy to become familiar with something and then to stop giving it respect. And this is, this is true of tools. I don't know, anyone ever use a dangerous tool? Anyone? Okay. If you use it once, you're careful. If you use it every day, you might not be. I, mean, I remember I borrowed probably one of the more dangerous tools that I've used. Um, I borrowed a commercial wood chipper. 
So you could load in like logs, trees. And it was amazing because I had trees that I had chopped that were all over my yard. And I got this commercial chipper and a trailer. And you take like a tree thing and you just like load it in there. And I got told how careful I had to be before using this thing. And I survived. Uh, only a few cuts, scrapes, and bruises. But, but like you stay away from this giant grinding part there. But when you stick a tree in there, it pulls it and all of a sudden it'll like spin it. So you're like pushing it in and then the tree flips and you get smashed in the face with a branch. Like bam, like ah. So I had, I had some marks. But um, when I go to return it, they're like, how did it go? And I'm like, it went well. Only a few scrapes, bruises, and bangs to show for it. And he's like, that's good. He's like, I've lost gloves, hats, shirt. And he, I'm like, he's like, what in the world? How close inside of that thing are you getting? But they became familiar with it And when you become familiar with it, you stop giving it the respect. You stop treating it like it's dangerous. I know of a lot of carpenters who have a short finger because they became too familiar with their saws and running boards right past it and just time after time after time and one time their thumb was in the wrong spot. My my brother had a motorcycle in... in, uh, when I was in high school, motorcycles are amazing and horrible at the same time. Like I had driven a car and this is what I learned in a car. In a car, you decide what you want to do. You tell the car what you want it to do. And then the car does its best to do what you told it to do. On a motorcycle, at least my brother's motorcycle, it was a crotch rocket. You have a thought and it does it. You're like on it, and you're like, I think I want to go faster! And then you're just like, dang, you're like, whoa. Like, this thing is incredible. I can hit the speed limit in first gear on a country road. Like, this thing just had power to, to go, and it wanted to go. It always said it wanted to go. And I remember the first time I got on that thing, and you're like, you're, you're careful, you're trying to make sure that you don't accidentally pop a wheelie as you're taking off, and then you're, you're, you're going down the road, and, and, and my stomach was already getting, like, a little bit jittery, and I wasn't going, well, he wasn't speeding. That didn't take long. Um, and then I remember going out for a ride with my friend who had a motorcycle and racing off a stoplight and accidentally doing a wheelie and then just, whoa, like that scared me. But I realized that things were progressing really fast and I was losing my respect for an insane amount of power. My brother had less, res- or he, he started probably with more respect and then quickly also was losing respect for the power that he was wielding. And then he recognized, along with a lot of numbers on his dash there, that he was losing the respect and that it wasn't safe for him to continue. And he sold his motorcycle. Within two weeks, two, within, I think it was two weeks later, the person who bought his motorcycle totaled it and was lucky to be alive. He was traveling in well excess of 100 miles an hour and came up on a intersection that hey, he didn't see at that speed and a vehicle that didn't see him because of his speed and things went very bad. And as a miracle, he's still around and the motorcycle was disintegrated. But when you take for granted the power, then you become in danger because you have an immense weapon, a tool, that you are not using 
properly. But most of us, okay, all of you guys have a mouth, right? If you don't, that's a problem. But here, here's the thing. Our words are so much more powerful than we realize. In Genesis, we look at how God, all-powerful God, almighty, created the universe. What did he use? His words. So if, if you look in my Bible, I highlighted anything that has to do with our words orange because I needed to see all the things that have to do with words. I use words daily, and I needed to realize how to use them. So I, I marked them. If you look in mine, you see in verse 3, it says, God said, let there be light. So it's highlighted orange. And then you're going to see verse 6. God said, let there be. God said, let the waters. And then God said, let the earth. God said, God said. And you begin to see over and over that God began to speak. And this is how he created. This is how God Almighty released his power into the universe to create it. So there is this immense power, and we can see it and go, okay, that's God's word. They have immense power. But in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock. And he goes on. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Okay, so I have been accused of looking like my dad. Um, it, it's a thing, and it, it's, it's kind of true. I, I was born that way. They like come out, and they're like, hey, look, you've got your dad's hairline. I'm like, oh, come on. I, I'm like, I didn't even have like a chance. <laughs> um, and so there's some of these things that there's appearance where I look like him. But he goes in his image and in his likeness. There's some of the stuff that I just look like him, but there's other areas where they'll comment that I am like him. And that I share some of his attributes. I share some of his character. I share some of his mannerisms. God said, let, them, let us make him in our image and after our likeness. Not only are we meant to, to reflect him, we're meant to be like him. I am not saying that you're a God or going to be a God. Don't be confused. He's God. You're not. But he made you to share some of his attributes. One of those attributes that he made you to share was powerful words. The ability to speak things into your future. And it's this, this amazing, amazing thing as long as we realize it. See, the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. But do I realize that as I speak, I am wielding this? That I can be taking things and shredding them or building things up. But those who love it will eat of its fruit. Uh, in Numbers chapter 14. So the Israelites have just come out of Egypt. God has a plan and a purpose for them. And, and I think for all of us, this idea that God has a plan and a purpose for us is exciting. But I, I want to share this story with you for a minute because I think it helps us. 
The Israelites, God has just come to them after they've been in, in slavery, they've been in bondage, and they've been praying, and God sends a deliverer. And he goes, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I've got a promised land for you. And, and, and they get all these promises from God, and they're excited. But then they discover that it's hard, and they start complaining, and God delivers them. And, and it's an amazing story. You can read the whole thing in Exodus. But for my point, you just need to understand that they have seen God's hand at work. God delivered them out of Egypt through signs and wonders, and there's been all these different miracles, and it's powerful. They, they've seen the 10 plagues. They walked through the middle of the Red Sea as God split it. They've been fed in the desert. There's just different stuff that God has done. But when they get to the promised land, they discover something. It's not empty. And it's going to be difficult. And they're like, um, and God goes, I'll be with you. And, and he, they have these promises from God. And I think all of us would want promises from God on the promises and plans that he's got for us. But their response is, is so powerful. Out of like 2 million people, there are two guys who go in and, and they see the, the promised land and they go, we've got this. God said he'd deliver it into our hand. Let's take the promise. The other two million, or the rest of the two million, because there's two and two million, go through, and it says that Israel, they grumbled, and then they made a request. They said, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Okay, that is one of the stupidest things ever. What's the danger? We could die. What's the solution? I wish we could just die. You got nothing to lose. But this is their solution. They're like, you know what? No. And, and they go through and they grumble and they complain. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, we're supposed to do everything without grumbling or complaining. Now, in their defense, Philippians 2 wasn't written yet. But they had had this lesson throughout their journey already where they had grumbled and complained and should have learned their lesson. But, but if we follow this, they spoke. So you have the, the mass group that goes, I wish we would just die in the desert. We'd be better off. And then we have the two who goes, God is more than able. Let's take the promised land. In Numbers, so in uh, verse 27, it goes through. And I have, I have heard their grumblings of the people of Israel, which they have grumbled against me. Verse 28, say to them as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Do you know what they got? What they said. Two guys. God will deliver. We have this. You know what they got? The promised land. The rest of everybody, we would die in the desert. They could kill us. You know where they did? They died in the desert. God gave them exactly what they spoke. And I, I began to look at this and think about this and said, what if God was to show up to you and say this? I heard you. What you have said in my hearing, I will do. Would that be the greatest blessing or the largest curse of your life? Would you look and you'd be like, yes! Because those two guys were like, yes! 
Or do you be going, drat? That is not what I want. But so often we, we take for granted that we're speaking this, but this isn't even the only spot. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. There is this thing that God wants to speak through you. And, and I almost entitled this, um, you are a prophet. Because we don't realize that God has given us the ability to speak into the future and shape it. The problem is that most of us are speaking into the future, looking into the past. And we're describing our past while we speak into our future. And then we go, I can't understand why my past keeps repeating. As I prophesy over my future, the thing that I saw in my past that I didn't want to be in my future. But there I am sowing seeds into my future of what I've already been through in my past and repeating it. See, in James chapter 3, it says, we put bits into the mouth of horses. This is James 3, 3. We put bits into the mouth of horses so that they may obey us. We guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So the tongue is a small member, yet it makes great, yet it boasts of great things. Our tongue is so small, but it directs our life. And a lot of us have desires for our life, but we let the steering wheel go and don't know why we keep crashing. And it's this thing where, we're, where we have to choose our words, but this is what happens. Instead of speaking where I'm going, if I just speak where I've been, like taking the, the reins of the horse going, I want to go that way, but if I yank them this way and describe and point them back to where I've just won, was I keep walking in a circle. And then I start going, well, why is it that my marriage is so bad? I can't believe that. And we just keep speaking over and over about the problems in our marriage, the problems at my job, the problems that are over here, the problems in the sickness and the problem in the diseases and the problems. And we go, I don't know why that's all that ever seems to happen happen to me. Instead of going, all right, well, what's God's promises for me? I'm going to line up and I'm going to speak it. See, I want to show you an infinity screen. Um, the, the camera guys are going to help me out here. If you take a camera and you point it at a, at a screen, it's going to start showing you the screen. But if it sees the screen on the screen, it's going to show you the screen on the screen on the screen on the screen, on the screen. And the more that they go in, you, you start to see it, that it just keeps going, that you can see the screen on the screen on the screen on the screen on the screen, and, and the smaller and smaller that it goes, but the more that this goes, but that's what so many people have in their life, is they go through and they go, I am describing what I have seen, so that begins to be what I experience, so I describe it again, so I see it again, so I describe it again, so I see it again, and they're caught in a cycle where they keep perpetuating their past into their future. And some people look and they, they'll, they'll challenge this and they go, well, you're just talking about denial. You're talking about lying. I'm not. But I'm talking about stop focusing, stop speaking where you've been and start speaking where you're going. We have the ability to speak into our future and to begin to steer us. See, 
we don't realize when it says that our tongue is the rudder of our life, that it's the bit in our mouth, that our bodies literally respond to our words. I did an experiment with this a few years back. I'm going to show you. I, I took a few guys and said, all right, I'm going to give you a weight that is at the edge of your ability to lift. And I want you to speak that you're strong 10 times and see what happens. And I took him, I said, I want you to take that same weight and I want you to speak that you are weak 10 times and see what happens. Check this out. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I am 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 strong. I'm so I am strong, 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 I am strong. I'm strong, I'm strong. I'm weak. I'm weak. I am weak. I'm weak. I'm weak. I am 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 weak. <laughs> Thank you. Confess that you're strong in the office. I am strong in Jesus' name. I'll rebuke the weakness. It blew me away how much speaking, their body literally changed what it was capable of. Like they were trying, but their body said, I can do this. Their body said, I can't because you already told me that I can't. And a lot of times we're going through life and we're speaking over our future. We're speaking and our body, our, 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 our world is aligning to our words. And for some of us, that's the greatest blessing. And for some of us, We've been cursing ourselves, And we have to look and decide. See, Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes the things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Three times it emphasizes it's what you say. God released his power to create the universe by speaking. Our words are powerful. When we mean to, our words are powerful. When we don't mean to, our words are powerful. And I think that's the hardest thing for us to understand is that my words remain powerful regardless of whether or not I intend to. And it can be easy to say things here and then to go home and say something different. It can be easy to go, yeah, my body's lining up with what I've been speaking. And you're like, this is powerful. And you go home and you're like, it's flu season. Here it comes. They're laying people off at work. Guess who's next? And we can speak these things and all of a sudden, we're like, well, I don't understand. I said some great stuff when I was in church last week. But it can be this thing where it's so easy to say it here, but it's what we're saying. 
See, because our words can be this. And our words can be this. Some people are looking at my left hand and they're like, what is it? Okay, for those who didn't have a mom who made them garden, uh, or wife, not that, I guess there's guys that like to garden too. I think I, I always just thought it was, we did it because of the women in our life. But this is a gardening tool. We are planting seeds with our mouth. We are creating a future. This is for tearing stuff up, planting things. All of us are actually planting seeds. I wish I could say it's only those that are speaking positive things over their future that are planting seeds. But in reality, the question isn't whether or not we're planting seeds. The question is, what seeds are we planting? But sometimes we go through, and, and when we garden, there are different types of plants. I can go through there, and I, I've gardened with my wife, and, and she got really excited the one year about planting radishes, even though she doesn't like radishes. Because radishes grow really quickly. And so there was this great sense of accomplishment and that she could plant and it wasn't very long before she had a harvest. And she's like, yes, I'm a winner. I'm a great gardener. And there are other things that produce great stuff that take a really long time. Anyone like fruit? My wife really likes fruit. She reminds me I'm supposed to eat fruit. I like fruit, I just forget to eat it. But if you plant a fruit tree, you don't have fruit right away. There is this immense time of waiting. I cheat and still have to wait. I go buy a fruit tree that's already started. They, they got it to be like this big before I even bought it. I plant it in the ground and I still have to wait for years. So frustrating. Um, I'm working in patience. But here's this, this thing. A lot of us go through in our life and we, we dig this up and we plant a seed and suddenly we've been planting the wrong weeds that sometimes grow really quickly. Then we go through and we're like, I'm going to be on purpose. And we dig it up and we plant a seed and we, we cover it up. And then we come back a day, a week, a month, a year later and we're like, well, I don't see any fruit yet. Well, we go through and we're like, well, I tried that confession stuff, but my marriage hasn't changed yet. I tried that confession stuff, but my kid just, and all of a sudden we're, trying to plant seeds over here. Then we're running around with a sword, hacking off their tops, wondering why we have no fruit. And we have to be intentional. We have to continue to speak life. It can be so easy for our words to curse our future. Um... Stories, they just are fun. They fill up time quickly. But uh, when, how many of you guys have ever had something go wrong? Okay, the rest of you, try something, okay? <laughs> but I had to teach my kids, failure is simply a step on the way to success. But when you experience a failure, what comes out of your mouth? Because we have an option. We can say something along the lines of, next time. Or we can have something come out of our mouth that goes, oh, I'm such a idiot, failure, stupid. There's this whole line of things where when something goes wrong, there can be a temptation to curse ourselves, And then to wonder why things keep going south. But to go through going, no, I'm going to choose to speak life over my future. 
I'm going to choose to speak life over my marriage. I'm going to choose to speak life over my children. Children are amazing. Children will give you an opportunity to practice your faith. Uh, I have... I have them, and, and there was a time where one of them was giving us lots of opportunities to choose how we would speak. And having to recognize I have the ability to curse their future with their past. I have the ability to say, you know what you did? You know what you are? You know where you're going to be? I can go through and say, if you, you're, 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 disre- you're a lying, disrespectful, and you're going to, and that you'll probably end up in Or I can speak life and go, you know what? You have a desire to stand up for something. You have a desire not to just go with the flow. That desire is in you so that you can stand strong for the Lord no matter what, who does around you, that you can follow him all the days of your life. You're a man of character and integrity. You have a heart that wants to do what's right. God's gonna use you. You're a a vessel in his hand and you're gonna do mighty things. I can choose what I speak over my children. It's powerful and it's over our children and it's over us. I remember being intentional with one of my children and sitting down and they were struggling in some areas. So I began to speak over them at night. I began to pray over them and say, all right, you have a heart after God. He fills you with his Holy Spirit and with the fruit of his spirit. You are full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I begin to just speak this over him. And I begin to pray over him. A couple of weeks go by and he did something that was at that time uncharacteristically full of the fruit of the spirit. I was very excited. And so I commented to him, it's like, I'm so proud of you. That was so good. I don't remember what it was now that he was either patient or kind or something along those lines. And he goes, well, yeah, that's what you've been saying over me. And I was like, ooh, I just got put in my place by my child. (laughs) He recognized the power of my words over him. He recognized that my words formed an identity in him that he began to respond out of. We don't often realize that not only are we speaking to those things that are out there, but we're actually speaking to the things that are in here. That we are shaping our identity, we are shaping our expectation, we are shaping our faith by the words that come out of our mouth. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Your heart and your mouth are connected. It creates a cycle. The problem is we often just let the cycle go. Instead of going, I'm going to be intentional because if you stick some intentionality into it, my words can start a cycle of life. But if I just let them go, then when I get frustrated, I begin to speak out of my feelings rather than out of his word. And when I speak out of my feelings, my life goes crazy because feelings are fickle. But if I go through and I go, I'm going to speak God's word, then God's word begins to produce life. And it begins to produce a cycle of life in my life. See, Try not to break things. These are glass. Your words, your tongue is the paintbrush of your heart. But the thing that it paints is the lens that you look through. So this is what that means. If I go through and I'm, in, I'm intentional, I begin to speak life. 
don't know if you can see this painting very well, but it's a, it's a pretty scenery. It's, it's full of greenery, a pond, sunshine. And if I begin to look through this as my lens, no matter where I look, I begin to see hope. I begin to see sunshine. I begin to see opportunity. And this begins to become the lens that goes, you know what? Things are good. Things are getting better. But if I hold this one up, right side up, I got the clouds, I got dark stormy clouds over the sea, then all of a sudden it doesn't matter where it is that I'm looking, I begin to see depression, I begin to see anxiety, I begin to see hopelessness, and then I begin to speak it and I keep painting more darkness. And the more darkness that I paint, the more darkness that I see, the more darkness that I see, the more darkness that I want to paint. And so there's a cycle on either side that I get to choose. And I get to go, am I going to speak when, when, when there are things happening at my work that I don't, that there's layoffs going on? Do I sit here and paint the picture that, oh, woe is me, I'm next. I'm probably going to be without a job. It's probably going to take me forever to get on unemployment. I wonder if they're even going to give it to me. I'm probably going to lose my house. I'm probably going to this. Or do I sit here and go, you know what? They got to keep somebody. It's probably going to be me. You know what? And if they fire, if they fire me, if they let me go, I'm going to find a better job. You know what? There's so many jobs where they are looking right now. I'm going to end up better off than I was before. I'm going to end up more blessed. Next year, I'm going to make more than I made this year. This year, my family's going to be blessed. This year, my children are going to come to know the Lord. This year, my marriage is going to get better. My marriage is going to get stronger. It's going to be a great year. And I have an option of what words I'm going to speak and what picture I'm going to paint and then what paint, painting I'm going to look through that's going to determine more of what I see. You have an opportunity. You and I are prophets. You were gifted from the Lord God Almighty with a powerful tongue that speaks into the future seeds that will produce in your future. What seeds are you planting? In, uh, so Monday through Friday, we do a seven at seven. We're online on Facebook, YouTube, and our website. And we've got a couple minutes in the word and a confession. I want to go through one of those confessions with you because speaking is so powerful. I want to give you an opportunity to on purpose speak over your life, God's word and his promises and who he says you are because it's powerful. And I want to challenge all of you this week to be intentional, to speak life to speak life over you, to speak life over your family gatherings. Not to speak, oh, Uncle Joe's going to be there. There's always a fight. It's probably going to be me. Or you can speak, you know what? This year, I'm going to go into my family gathering full of the grace and spirit of the Lord. I am going to bring joy and peace to that place. I am going to be a peacemaker. God's love is going to flow through me. Maybe this year, Joe's going to encounter Jesus. Maybe this year, Joe's going to repent. Maybe this year, our family's going to be different. I have an opportunity to speak. Okay, let's go through our confessions. Go ahead and say these with me. Say, I am a child of God. I don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. I am more than a conqueror through him. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God is my healer and redeemer. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I resist the devil and he flees from me. 
My prayers are powerful and effective. I cast my cares on God because he cares for me. I choose prayer instead of fear. I bring my requests with thanksgiving and God fills me with his peace. Such a powerful thing as we declare his word. Before I finish, the most powerful declaration that any of us will ever make is when we declare Jesus to be our Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that, who, or verse 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've not received his forgiveness, it's the most powerful thing you'll ever do with your mouth. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? Today, if you're here and you say, today, I want to receive God's forgiveness. Today, I want to know that I'm right with God and on my way to heaven. And when I say three, this is an opportunity for you to make him your Lord. One, say, I, I want him. I want to live for him. Two, I want to know that I'm right with God and on my way to heaven. Three, raise up your hands nice and high. That's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to know that I'm right with God and on my way to heaven. Who says, that's me? Awesome, over here. Who else is, that's me? Another one back there. All right, who else is, that's me? Another one over here. Another one there. Who else is, that's me? This is the most important decision that anybody ever makes. Another one up top. Another one up top. Another one up top. Who else is, that's me? All right. Such a powerful thing. So let's do this. We're going to do what God's word says. And we're going to call on his name. So I'm going to ask you guys just to repeat after me. Whether you're doing this today for the first time, We've done this before. Say, God, thank you for loving me even when I make mistakes. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I believe that you died and rose again and that your blood washed me clean of my sins. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.